0: I've called, and I just want to say, glad that you could join in. You don't have a handout at home, uh, but you might be able to follow along. I, I've tried to be a little descriptive here, and I'm going to try to stay um, uh, in, in accordance with what we have on our paper. We've been talking now for a few weeks, and I'll keep it to the handout The interwoven world of the spirit. It has been investigated. It has been taught, revealed throughout the ages of time. Our study will offer a concise view tonight of three aspects or realms of this intangible and yet very apparent world. Spiritual disciplines are part and parcel. They're part of this most critical um, subject. And every believer will face these challenges and conflicts, of course, of the spirit world. And while our lesson here this evening is not completely exhaustive, which means, of course, there's more to this, we could not exhaust it all in the span of time we have. There are some immutable points that guide, or must, or should guide our spiritual walk through the disciplines defined by the scripture. In the last few weeks, we've been learning about spiritual disciplines, which lend themselves to our, of course, spiritual health. We know about the unique armor that separated King Saul and the shepherd David. Both had gifts and skills. They did not overlap. In brief here tonight, I would remind you How we talked about the whole armor of God, which simply implies that no part should be left out. The whole armor of God. We spoke of it. Paul gives us imagery that speaks to the advancing believer. Not the retreating one. And in that script we learn about spiritual wickedness in high places, principalities. These are rulers or governmental spirits that rule the world. They do not rule us. Once, Paul, once again, Paul is very descriptive in revealing the boundaries of the demonic world. He will reveal the boundaries because the Bible says the rulers of the darkness of this world. They do have boundaries. Eventually, we want to talk about the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit, which must be connected for them, for them to be effective and true. And then they should be pursued. We're going to talk about that. Not here tonight. But we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. And then we're going to talk about the nine gifts of the Spirit. And in reality, there's more than nine because there is the gifts of miracles. But we categorize them in kind, the gifts of the Spirit. And we intertwine that with the fruit of the Spirit. But before we can get to the study of the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, we must uncover three realms that exist in this world today. First and foremost, there is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. It is the all-encompassing Spirit without beginning, without ending. Now, we call him... Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord. He is eternal, omniscient. He is immutable. Nothing is without him. All things exist by him, through him. He is both in the temple and without the temple, or as the Bible's first words proclaim so boldly, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Genesis 1.1. And that's it. Everyone say, that's it. Didn't Bugs Bunny used to say that? That's all, folks. That's it. When we begin anything in this life, when we do it without God, it is destined to fall apart. If you're going to start a business, in the beginning, God. Are you getting married? In the beginning, God. Are you going to make a major decision? In the beginning, God. Always begin with God. What did the Lord say? Did the Lord tell you to move? Did he he tell you to stay? Did he tell you to advance? Did he ask you to be silent? Is now the time to speak? In the beginning, God. If you're not seeking the Holy Spirit and his direction, then you are akin to a sailboat without a sail, languishing or adrift on a wide open ocean. No purpose, no direction, which always results in an unknowable destination. Doing life, going about life without God. Hear me tonight. It's like sailing in the Indian Ocean with millions of square miles of water, but no destination, unknowable, no direction. You have to have the Lord in your life. You are the children of the Most High God. You live under a different law. It's the law of Christ. So if you walk out of this building and you have a tough time remembering what I've taught tonight, remember this, in the beginning, God, because all of our well-intentioned deeds and all of our physical endeavors must begin with the Lord, the Spirit. That is the first realm is the Holy Spirit. And the reason why we know it's the first realm is because the Holy Spirit preceded all things. The Spirit always was. There was no beginning of the spirit. The Ancient of Days, by its own definition, indicates he was without beginning. The second realm here if on your page, if you're looking at this, it's we'll call it the demonic spirit or spirits. Demonic. These are dark spirits. I'm not going to spend much time on this tonight. We've, we've done a little bit, but... We can revisit this, demonic spirits. There's another realm of demonic spirits. The third realm is the human spirit. Everyone say, my spirit. All parts of life, all realities, both visible and invisible, feature spirits. The Holy Spirit, demonic spirits, or the human spirit. The human spirit is who we are as a person. It's our persona, personality, disposition, Which is most easily identified as our overall attitude. However, I hope you can hear this with your ears. A person's attitude is not the final measurement of the human spirit. It's just the most basic way that we understand the human spirit. Let's do this again the Holy Spirit, the demonic spirit, and the human spirit. The Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal. The demonic spirit or spirits, because there's many different types of them, they all have the same intent. We can describe them in a general way. They were created as holy but rebelled. Lucifer said, I'm going to ascend, take the throne. All the holy angels of God, the angels that are with the Lord are the holy angels of God but rebellion corrupted a third of them and then finally is the human spirit the human spirit it was cre- the human spirit was created as innocent but adam and eve disobeyed so the human spirit is created innocent but that was for a particular time now notice the two destructive measures rebellion and disobedience always destruction Rebellion and disobedience. The most destructive forces we could ever have in our lives employ rebellion and disobedience. Rebellion, disobedience. The human spirit, my spirit, your spirit, has its own will, W-I-L-L. You are a free moral agent to do whatever you wish to do. You are unique in creation. While all of creation bows to the will of the Father, you have the ability to deny the will of the Father. Yes, you do. Even Jesus Christ in his flesh, when he was praying in the garden, he had to to humble his flesh and say, nevertheless, not my will. What will was that? That was the human dual nature of Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. If he had to do that, how much more do we have to do that? All right. Are you still with me now? So I, I have to lead us into this because... There's a myriad of directions we can go. We have to stay on point and know what the plight is of the believer. What is the plight? What is our purpose? Where are we headed? So I'm going to just refine it in just a few, maybe three different areas of, of, of interest for the believer. You and I, we are the believer. And we're talking about our spirit, your spirit. The first plight is, we'll just, we'll reduce it to one word, keep. It's to keep, to keep, keep, keep. It's a powerful word, keep. Psalm 34, keep. It's on your handout. Keep thy tongue, keep it, keep it, keep your tongue. Every time you want to open up your mouth, keep your tongue, keep your tongue. Because words are like bullets. Once they are spoken, they can never be retrieved. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep it, thy lips from speaking guile, keep Some things are better kept than shared. Verse 14, depart from evil, do good, seek peace, pursue it. But it starts with keeping your tongue from evil. Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Keeping, there's something about keeping, the plight of keeping yourself. Because your human spirit would like to divert from the will of God. I don't trust my heart. I trust the direction of the Holy Ghost. I want to make, I want my heart to be in subjection to the Holy Spirit. My spirit in line with His Spirit. But it's easy for our spirits to get out of line with the Holy Spirit. It happens so quick. It happens so quick. Arrogance or, or pride or, 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 or I have fear or doubt. It's very easy. Everyone does that from time to time. So let me just define this way to keep and, and, and here's how we're doing it. We are keeping by protecting our spirits with boundaries. There's boundaries. When you, when you give access to false doctrines, to people who don't keep their tongue, you, you're, you're, you can't go out of your boundaries. Those boundaries are, are critical to your life. If you have a child that likes to wander around the house, you might put them in a little a little playpen. If you have, if, you're, if your kids are older and you, you have a backyard, it's nice to have a fence. Um, the boundaries are critical. A couple of people died right on Highway 40 here a couple of weeks ago, they passed away. Someone crossed the middle line. They're, they're reconstructing the accident. The, Two yellow lines are boundaries you got to know those boundaries, how and why they clo- cross the middle line i 'm not going to surmise there is, some, there is some speculation. However, the boundaries keep you safe. Many people try to try to rebuke or to take issue with the boundaries of holiness. The boundaries of holiness keep you safe, ladies and gentlemen they're not, they're, they are not weights. They are, they, they are not constricting. They are not chains. Those boundaries keep you safe on a road. No one drives safely without boundaries. They say on the Autobahn in Germany, if you have an accident, most accidents, people die. Because there's no boundaries and there's no speed limit. And you can go 150 clicks or 200 clicks or whatever it is per hour. You can, you can just fly down the Autobahn. There's no... There, there's no limitations. A life without limitations is sure to destroy the self and other people. Boundaries. What are the boundaries? You keep your spirit from, with boundaries. What is it that you won't put in front of your eyes? When have you told yourself no? What is it that you won't say or you won't listen to? What is it that you won't engage in? Is there anything off limits to your life? See, the difference between between uh, 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 the church and and maybe a, a, a military uh, a group is that is that you have to seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I only am responsible to preach the word. I, I'm not running around trying to find out what you're doing. You've got to take responsibility for where you go, what you say, what you do, who you engage in, who's at your table or what table you sit at. You've got to learn how to keep yourself, keep your tongue, keep your mind, keep your spirit. Because when you don't have boundaries, your spirit will drift over the lines. Mm -hmm. I think today we've lost the power of personal convictions. And we we now have a a, a huge generation of people who are asking pulpits, preachers, pastors, leaders, spiritual directors, spiritual people to give them boundaries or convictions. I have my convictions. Some of you couldn't live by my convictions. And I couldn't live by yours. But I have my convictions. You know, there's the Bible, it's the Word. There's the principle, comes from the Word. And then there's my convictions that I have personally for myself. Because I know... What my spirit is susceptible to. And your spirit. Your spirit can be infected real quick. It's an infection real quick. I'm I'm amazed. I've been to the gasoline station about four or five times in this year. When something happened. And I, I don't understand. There's a lack of respect at the gasoline station. At the Shell station here. And also uh, at, the, at the, the station in front of Kroger. I don't know what they call it, just the Kroger gas station. Four or five times it's happened to me. Um, and I'm sympathetic to people who have addictions. Okay, no big deal, we'll pray. People have all kinds of different addictions. But I'm just, I'm amazed at the disrespect that people have towards flammable liquid And when I saw that woman flick her cigarette out right next to the place where she was pumping gas, I thought, I gotta preach a sermon called smoking at the gas station. (laughs) What is going on? Four or five times, there's there's a cigarette thing. Do they not know? There's a boundary and the boundaries, gasoline and fire. Spark, what happens? When you, when you get flagrant in your living, you'll do things that could, could explode and destroy life. And trust me when I tell you, you don't know where that will end. You don't know where it will go. You've got to protect your spirit, your mind, your thoughts, where you go, what you say, your spirit. Now people have addiction of smoking, I get it. I, I'm I, I'm hoping they can do better. I'm hoping they can get rid of that. It, 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 I know it hurts the body. I'm not talking. I'm not. I'm not poor mouthing people who have addictions. I'm just saying whatever your addiction is, don't combine that with flammable liquid. You would think that people would know this, but I also sometimes falsely assume that believers know what is dangerous to their spirit. You've got to live by a boundary. Keep it. Also in defining is to guard your life by principle living. Principle living. Where did the principles go? What are your principles? You live by principles. And lastly, you follow the path of the righteous. Listen, you don't have to recreate the wheel. There's a lot of wonderful people who've struggled right through where you are. There's a well-worn path for every person who's ever struggled in this life. You are not the first person to suffer. You're not the first person to have loss. You're not the first person to lose a loved one. You're not the first person to go through through bankruptcy or, or have a horrible situation in your childhood. You're not the first person. People have come out of that, choose that well-worn path of the righteous by doing what is right in the sight of God over and over and over again. It's not rocket science. Here's what you do. You get up on Sunday and you get in this house. You love God. You put everything else out on the outside like we were, like we learned on Sunday night. You put everything outside of the, of, the, of the tabernacle and you get inside. You put it all outside the tabernacle. When you come in you bring your best to God in the tabernacle. Listen. I'm not talking about whitewashing issues in your life but give yourself a reprieve and your spirit a reprieve by coming to the house of God with your arms and your heart wide open. It's a path. You follow the path. Listen to Pastor. Do it for 10 years straight. Don't miss a service except if you are sick, if you're on vacation, or if you have to work. Do it for 10 years straight. And in 10 years, I promise you, every time in the marination of the Holy Spirit that exists in this house, His Spirit will start to transform your spirit. That's right. Even when I don't think, I don't know if you feel this way. Even when I don't think church is at its top peak, there's always something wonderful that helps me. There's always something good. When my expectations are high, it's always good. Amen. This is about keeping you. Number two is about confession and repentance. We're, we're going to define this as the renewal application. And I've found this to be true. The great emphasis on on. The gospel, which is the death, burial, resurrection, which is repentance, baptism, and then the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It it cannot end there because there are times for renewed application. I'm applying again for repentance. I've got to go back and confess again. Just because I was converted the first time doesn't mean I don't need to go back and repent. And renew my application and confess This is what John said in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, who is he talking to? He's talking to believers. Brethren, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Hear me, ladies and gentlemen. You're not going to live this life unstained. So the defining moment here on your handouts, it is the ongoing cleansing of life. The cleansing of life. The Bible says you are washed by the water of the word. Give your brain a bath. Give your spirit a bath. Let her be the sacrifice of God. This is the confession of repentance. Or a broken spirit. The psalmist said, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, that will not despise. A broken spirit. That means it's not resistant to God. It's broken, self-initiated, broken spirit. Are you still with me now? And letter C, it's humility by design. See, you design your own humility. I'll read the Bible to you. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of an humble spirit, underline that humble spirit. That's your choice. You decide what kind of spirit you're going to have humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Here's, Psalm, here's Proverbs 29 and 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Your persona. Whosoever, Jesus said, therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So humility is by your own design. Humility is a garment. I always think of it this way. Humility is a garment. It's a coat that doesn't fit you. You have to shrink into it. Humility is a garment that never fits when you first put it on. You always have to adjust yourself to it. It's not... It's not made for you. It's made in the likeness of Jesus Christ. There's only one size in the garment of humility. It only fits the Lord. It will never fit you the first time you wear it. Mm-hmm. Okay. How about repentance? How about confession? Confession? How about confessing to the Lord? How about confessing your needs to one another? Ineptness. What happened to that? Did we become so full of ourselves that we didn't, we thought we did not have to have some group of people around us, some, some brother or sister that we needed help with? I'll be very candid with you. This happened many years ago. There was a great men's uh, ministry that developed. And men got together in stadiums and they, they made pacts with one another to share their needs with one another. Um, but that quickly fell apart when there was no one on the other side to hear the confession. No one was there to give direction. So I can only conclude because there was a lot of damage done those men were confessing their faults to a brother but they they were not they were not confessing it to their spouse so i can only conclude that a confession without direction is lip service it's a false absolution you have to have direction and you have to have someone who cares about you and there's people in the church that do so if there's going to be this renewed thought of the altar and this ongoing cleansing and humility of our spirits are going to be right. They're going to have to be broken from time to time. We're going to have to make sure they're in line with the Lord. And finally, in this plight, we're still on the plight, the three steps, three areas of our plight as a believer, a Christian, an apostolic, no less, is honoring spiritual authority. I'm going to get to the spirit. We're working on our spirits right now. Remember, we're working on our spirits. We're keeping them we're cleaning them and we're, we're employing obedience to something above us. That means we're shrinking them or we're putting them under something. Let's do it again. We're keeping them through protection. We're keeping them, we're cleaning them and we're making them be submissive to something else. It's very difficult for Americans to follow this pattern of the scripture because we have an idea that we were all John Wayne. And we can do whatever we want to. And we have little kingdoms. And our garages are like. like, And our garage doors are like moats. We just go into our castle. And we close the door. Um, but nothing challenges our spirit. The human spirit. Like someone else's authority over us. Here, here's from the New international version, I'll just brief you on this. Um, Moses was leading and there came a coup against him, Korah. And if you trace Korah, his lineage was the son of Levi, which means that he was (coughs) born in a spiritual environment. The Levites and the Reubenites, Reuben, Dathan, Abraham, sons of Eliab, they became insolent. Verse two, they rose up against their leader and they influenced 250 men, well-known community leaders who had been appointed members of the council. So leadership rose up against the leader. That looks really bad for the leader, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. We would think that They came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far. The whole community is holy. You're not the only one that's holy. The Lord's with everybody. Why do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? Dangerous words, of course, they all died. God just burned them up, swallowed them up. They did not honor their spiritual authority because their own spirits wanted to rise above someone else their authority they did not constrain their spirit here is the opposite of that the centurion he came to jesus i've got a my servant is sick and the lord said i'll come he said no you don't have to come i'm a man under authority look at this under authority having soldiers under me everyone say under and I say to this man, go. He goeth. I say to another, come. He, he said, I'm not questioning. I just give the command and they do it. I have faith that they will do it because they are under me. I'm under another man. He tells me what to do. I tell them what to do. It's done. And to my servant, do this and he doeth it. So whatever you say, Lord, it'll be done. He understood authority. And honoring spiritual authority is a constraint on my spirit. I have done many things that Pastor Stark told me to do that I had to constrain my spirit because my spirit had to become obedient to his spirit. And when my spirit was obedient to his spirit, then I got in line with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Oh, trust me. Pastor grew up in a military home. His daddy died when he was nine years old. His mother put him in a military school. Pastor has, have you ever met pastor? He's coming. Careful, he's coming. Yes, one of the men in the church died, had a pacemaker. He died right in the pew. Fell down, died. Pastor went and prayed for him. 45 minutes later, he woke up. Next day, went to the doctor. Doctor said, what happened to you? He said, I think I died. I'm not sure. He said, well, I don't know if that's possible, but we'll know because we've got all the data right here on your pacemaker. Took the chip, did whatever, plugged in the core, said, Oh my goodness, you did. Your heart stopped for 45 minutes, you were dead. What happened? Well, Pastor came over, laid hands on me. Don't mess with Pastor. I want to tell you what, don't mess with him. He got big eyebrows too. He's scary. You people don't know. You people don't know. You have no clue. Scratch that from the record. <laughs> he's out of the country right now, so I'm hoping that he's sleeping. <laughs> You have no clue. Oh my goodness! You have no clue. Uh huh. He's put me on tasks that I know were way beneath me. <laughs> uh huh. Oh Lord in heaven! My God! I'd lose half of my half of the staff right now if I if I just enacted one thing that he told me to do. Mm-hmm. When I humble my spirit. When I came under authority, then the Lord gave me authority. Because no one has authority of the Holy Spirit until they learn how to constrain their own spirit under spiritual authority. Trust me when I tell you it's proven time again. And this is how we do it. First is recognition. Recognition by submission. Recognition by submission of the human spirit. I'm submitting the human spirit. My spirit. Letter B, it's response according to the position, not personality. When I have my human spirit in line, I'm responding to the position, God's authority in position, not the individual's personality. How many times have I heard that? Well, I just don't like that guy, so I'm not going to follow him. Hold on a second. Was he called of God? I don't really like that woman. I don't like that individual. You know, I don't really want to be, well, wait, were they called of God? Yes. Are they, are they, are they anointed? Yes. Did God put them over your life? Yes. But I don't like the way they approach me. So sorry. We're not all Zig Ziglar or Dale Carnegie. And we didn't learn how to win friends and influence people. Go check out the prophets. They weren't warm and cuddly. Prophets are not warm and cuddly. A real prophet is sort of <clears throat> well, they're, they're strange. They're odd people. They really are odd people. We have a trouble with, with that because we don't know how to handle them. Prophets and pastors are very different, even though a pastor can move in prophecy. Up, up, and I'm not talking about the gift of prophecy, I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the office of the prophet. They're very odd people. Go look in the Bible. Just to, just to expound on their sermon. One prophet laid on his side for three months in the street, turned over for another three months just to give an example of his sermon. Odd, folks. Go find out what John the Baptist was doing in the wilderness. People came out to see the show. Even Jesus said, what did you come to see? A reed blowing in the, in the, in the wind? Is that what you came to see? No, you came to see power. So I'm not always inclined to agree with personality, but I always recognize the position of authority. That's critical. And if you defy the position of authority, well, then you have to take that up with God. That doesn't mean that whoever holds the position should not carefully guard what they do and say. And finally, let her see it's under, not even. <laughs> That's Korah versus the centurion. See, that's how you know if you have your spirit in line with the Holy Spirit. It's always under. It's not even. It's not even. It's certainly not over. This is what Korah tried to do. You take too much. We're all holy. We're just as holy as you are. We're just as good as you are. Hey, Aaron and Moses, everybody here is holy. We're leaders too. What makes you think that you're above us? Well, I'll tell you what made him think. It was God that did that. It was God that did that. But our spirits, our human spirits, sometimes get out of line and we cross the boundaries. See, you have to manage your spirit. You're never going to conquer it until you have a glorified body. It's intentional management of your spirit. You're always going to have to manage your spirit. Let me just tell you, it doesn't matter what kind of personality you have or what chart you have, somebody in this world makes you mad. It could be someone you decided to marry. Tough luck, Charlie Brown. Somebody knows how to push your button and just say something. It could even be chances are someone knows how to give you the look come on I got to get a witness in this house and you just ooh that just like 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 chalk on a chalkboard like nails on a chalkboard just grinds you the look don't you look at me like did you see how they looked at me and it will anger you somebody because there's going to be a trying of your spirit Someone's going to say something, do something, act some way that messes you up in your own spirit. And you're going to have to manage yourself from here, from now till Jesus comes. Managing your spirit is one of the greatest tasks you'll ever do. Managing your spirit. Let me just point out a few things in in our study here tonight. And one of those things I want to point out. And I had to kind of push everything together. I'm sorry I meant to... Give you some spaces, but I only wanted to give you one page. So this would be better if I had a little setup and a couple empty places here. But I want to talk about the demonic spirit and the human spirit for a little bit. The demonic spirit, the devil is is likened unto a lion. He he can exist in singularity, the lion, and this is what. Peter said, he wrote it. Look, it's right on your paper. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, here's your adversary, the devil. And this is a, a likeness as a roaring lion. He walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, whoever said that, that they just roar and they don't have teeth, that's, that's not true. That's not true. Come, come on, have you ever watched National Geographic? They got teeth. I don't know who defanged the devil, but that's not in the scripture. They do roar and they do have teeth. He's got big teeth, he's massive. He wants to devour you. Go look at the book of Amos and what the shepherd did. He followed the lion and he pulled out of the mouth of the lion. Two legs and a piece of an ear. The lion has teeth. The devil is your adversary. When we talk about demonic spirits, we're talking about a roaring lion. He can dwell in singularity. He doesn't need help. But human spirits can be infected. Let me tell you about the infection of human spirits. If you open up your spirit... There can be other dark spirits attached to your spirit. And that gets very convoluted because some people just have bad attitudes and some people have more than just bad attitudes. Mm-hmm. And the human spirit that is destructive is never categorized or exampled as a lion, but a wolf. False brethren are like wolves. I'll give you the scriptures. Matthew 7, 15, beware of false Prophets. Which come to you in sheep's clothing. They look like you. They act like you. They smell like you. They walk like you. They know the songs like you know. They know all the things to do. They're in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. Another version says, ravenous wolves. They come in packs. Plural. You'll know them by their fruits. And then the Lord asks questions that he already knows the answer to. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit. Fruit is the indication of the inward man, but a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. What is the result of their lives? A good tree can't bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. The wolf is, the wolves are bringing forth corruptible fruit. This is Acts twenty twenty eight. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this. That after my departing. Whoa. Grievous wolves are going to enter in among you. They're not going to spare the people. There's a pack of them. It's going to lead us to something tonight. That I've been studying for multiple, multiple years. But, but really I came across it. But, but I just want you to know the difference. The demonic spirit. He can work in singularity. Yes, there can be other spirits but the human spirit can rise up in any church and destroy congregations of people. It happens all the time, every day. Men get together and contrive. Women get together and contrive. Couples get together and talk about what's going on until they finally decide they're going to have a coup because they're not under, they're even. They're not under, they're over. Now, I don't, at this juncture, right as I'm standing here, I, I have no axe to grind with my own people. We, we are probably in better step in unity than we have been in many, many, many years. So when I teach this, I'm teaching a preventative medicine because I found out it's a lot better to prevent the problem than to go through the surgery and the rehabilitation. Give me the way to avoid the problem. I'd rather avoid the the, the pothole than to be stuck in the rain changing a tire. So, the human spirit, which is what we're trying to talk about tonight, that human spirit, it has to be measured, and you can measure other people's spirits. So, when we talk about the scripture, we've got to be very careful. When Jesus said, Judge not that you be not judged, remember that? Judge not that you be not judged. A lot of people misrepresent that. And they say, don't judge me. I'm putting something on Facebook or Instagram. I know I don't have any clothes on, but don't judge me. The Bible says, don't judge me. I know I've used a lot of bad words, but don't judge me. What are you talking about? You have just misused the scripture. No, that's what we should be judging against. When Jesus says, don't judge as you might judge, it's not about, it. we're not talking about sinful practices or evil spirits. Watch what the Bible says. First John four one, beloved, believe not every spirit. Every person who speaks anything has got to be measured and filtered by the Bible. Everything. But try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Don't you know that? Now I'll just I'll just lay it out because I've. I've the older I get, I'm losing my filter. It's a terrible thing. I need my wife around all the time. Don't talk to me without her. The charlatans that occupy television, Christian television channels are very dangerous as they purport the gospel, but they do it with corrupt lifestyles and false doctrines or twists on false doc- on, on the Bible to corrupt it. And I'm just admonishing you, don't pay attention to them and by all means don't support them financially. You don't know what they do after Their show is done. I do know what they do because I have some friends who are backslidden apostolics and they've gone to those meetings. And one of those people that got done singing before the preacher, so called charlatan guy, got up to speak, they went to the second floor where there was an open bar. And by by the time the evening was out, all of them that were on the show were stone cold drunk. Hear me when I tell you it's a facade. Try the spirit. That's not the only place to try the spirit. I want to try the spirit to see whether it's of God. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen. Be careful because there's a lot of false prophets, a lot of false spirits, a lot of people who purport something. Of course, at this juncture, John was, he was, he was dealing with some Gnosticism. And some of the readers, some of the people he was ministering to were being led astray by Gnostics, G-N-O-S-T-I-C-K-S, the Gnosticism of his day. So the human spirit and the human spirit can latch on to false doctrines or concepts that are not truly biblical or they're close to biblically sound, but they're not right. Okay, are you with me here? I want to make sure that I'm speaking as clear as I can without being offensive. But maybe offensive is better. Who knows? Let's just get to this last part because it's 724 and I have, you have 12 lines to fill in. <laughs> I want to talk about the church bully. This has, been, this has taken me a little while. And, and, and I have to tell you, I should have put his name down, but a couple of these come from Tom Rainier, who is one of my, Tom S. Rayner, who is one of my favorite writers, but I've added and kind of rearranged some things out of my life experience and, and, and my father's church and pastor's church and where, where I've been 19 and a half years now. We're working on 20. Let's see if we can get to 20. That's in October. The church bully is somebody who has multiple traits. And I think that there's more than this, but, but once again, we can't list all of these. Now, the church bully doesn't need to be somebody who has all of these, but their spirit is certainly corrupted. I want to guard you against this so that you don't become that. And if you see it, then you know that's not right. See, the first thing to the church bully is they need to be needed. They have a need. They have a need, and the need is to be needed. Now, that could be a very dangerous individual. Be very careful because they use that as a platform to get where they want to be. The second trait of that, of that individual is that they routinely usurp pastoral authority. Usurp pastoral authority. That is, that's Absalom who stood in the gate and took the grievances of the people before they got to his father David. When they came to, to, to share information with, with, with David, Absalom interrupted them and said, My father doesn't have time, but I care for you. The king, he's busy, but I've got time. The usurping pastoral authority. Number three, they seek personal and self serving agendas. Find out what the motive is. Here's what I always say if you find the motive, you found the man. What's the motive? Let's have a cup of coffee. What's the motive? I wanted to give you a flower. What's the motive? It has poison ivy on it, but I wanted to give you the flower. <laughs> it's wrapped up. I don't know. I'm just... <laughs> I know when people give me like cheesecake, the motive is to make me fat. I understand that. And I rebuke that fatness and eat the cheesecake anyway. I rebuke the calories. So what, what is the motive? Self-serving agendas. You see... The unity of the body is the most powerful tool that we have. Unity in the church is the powerful tool of the church. But self-serving agendas always interrupt the unity of the body. There's a reason why, there's a reason why Joshua told the people not to speak. We're going to march around seven days and don't say anything. But the, the consternation that you have if you read your Bible is that God never told the people not to speak. Joshua did. God said, march around the city. Joshua added and don't talk God didn't tell them not to talk Joshua said don't talk When we get to the end we're going to shout together I don't know why but I just got this little assumption and thought He remembers how that 10 spies outruled him and Caleb 40 years prior and he was not going to take a chance On somebody opening up their mouth And usurping authority and have an agenda And ruining the whole battle the bully has an agenda and they're after it. Number four, they seek alliances because they're building a kingdom. They're seeking alliances. Now, you're going to be inclusive, but don't be exclusive. Let me, let me define that. Some of you are going to, going to get together because you like NASCAR, but no need to ask me. Some of you guys love NASCAR. I'm happy that you like it. The Rainbow Warrior, Jeff Gordon, is that right? I think he retired. Are my NASCAR guys here? Any NASCAR guys here? A couple, three? Okay. I don't mind offending you. If you start chasing me, all I have to do is turn right. <laughs> Dumb joke. It's a good one though. I pull it out whenever I can. All of you from Sandcut are going to get it Sunday. Oh, that's another bed. Insulting. Pastor, go on. Sorry, Tammy. Some of you are going to like fishing. You're inclusive, but that doesn't mean you exclude the rest of the body from your life. Love everybody. Don't exclude anyone. You're going to have natural preferences. That's okay. I'm not a scrapbooker, but some of you like that. It's all right. Some of you want to hunt. That's okay. I've been hunting once with a bow. (laughs) I shot. I didn't shoot anything, but I wanted to. Nothing came around. I was saying, come on, buck, buck, come on, buck, 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 (laughs) buck. Nothing, nothing, zero, zilch. I'm not going back. The alliances that the bully makes are pivotal to an outcome. Weaving their way into the lives of people because they have a need to be needed. Watch this now, everybody. Be careful. Here's number six. They are opportunistic. They insert themselves in conflicts or successes. They're opportunistic. They're looking for an opportunity to insert themselves. They're looking for an opportunity to insert themselves. They have an entitlement concept Where are we at? We at number seven? They present their preferences as spiritual or divinely appointed. Be careful, ladies and gentlemen, before you ever say, God told me to do this. If you're gonna quote God, you better know it's God. If you ever tell anyone it's God's will for them to do something, you better know it's God's will. If you've ever been around me long enough, you'll know. I almost never say it's God's will, the will of God, the will of God. I hear people talking about the will of God as if it's a somebody will. Who's will of God? Will of God, will of God, will of God, will of God. What are you talking about? The will of God. God's will. Don't open up your mouth and decide you're going to speak for the Lord. Be very careful before you speak for the Lord. And if you hear someone always speaking for God, be very cautious because something's wrong with their spirit. They're, they're, they are, they are presenting their preferences and they're making their preferences spiritual and they sound spiritual. Just because it sounds spiritual, it may just be their own spirit and not the Holy Spirit. Can you discern whether or not it's someone's spirit or the Holy Spirit? Can you do that? You're not going to do it right away. That's why you have to be very cautious. That's why you have authorities in your life to guide you and the word of the Lord to guide you. You have the Bible to read and the word to listen to and the preached word to know. Hmm. Well, I'm I'm feeling right, but I don't know how you're receiving it, right? But I'll just go on because, because we have lines to fill in and we're on number eight. And this bully will use dreams. They'll use visions. Listen, I I, I grew up in a church where a woman came around. Brother Huttiger can attest to this. A woman came up. She always had a dream for everybody. She was a bully. She had a dream. In fact, I remember two women would have dreams. One had a dream. One had a vision. She had visions. One woman had a vision for all all kinds of things. She had a vision. I saw this. I don't know what it means, but I have a vision. And she would just say these things. I'm not sure what it means. And it led people to think that she was spiritual and was in tune with God. She said, I'm going to get back to you about what it means. And then when the opportunity came where whatever she said kind of fit or maybe fit, she would say, I think that's what this was. It was from God. And people thought that's a spiritual person. They had a vision. They told me that months ago. And then fi- come to find out she wasn't spiritual at all. She was, she was a bully controlling the lives of people through visions that were not even real. And dreams. Another woman had dreams. She would always walk around and have dreams. She would sit down and tell you her dream. You didn't know what it was. She came and tried to get me. And I said, I, you know, I don't, I don't really, I don't have time. I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta date. I don't know who I gotta date with, but I'm gonna find one before this night's out. I got I somebody I'm gonna go date. <laughs> and what they do is they use this to control weaker people in the church. Weaker people, weaker members, because yes, there are people in the church that are more powerful and people in a church that are weaker. People in the church by, by nature of their personality are not aggressive and they are easily controlled by other people. Be careful before you succumb to a voice that presents itself as spiritual or divine using dreams or visions or God's will. They may not always have the word of God for you. They may just have the control. Because, as one elder used to say, the issue is never really the issue. The issue is control. And number nine is judgmental. Many times they're judgmental. Anything bad happens, they're judgmental. I knew that shouldn't happen. That's wrong. They're going to call out everyone's sin and everyone's discrepancies because that elevates them. They're holier than everyone else. We're holy too. Just like you, Moses. Number 10, they create or they cultivate chaos in order to lead people. That's, listen, I'm talking about the human spirit, your spirit. You gotta manage that. You gotta be careful. You gotta manage what comes into your mind, what goes out of your mouth. You gotta manage who comes around you because the human spirit can divide a church. And has much more times than the demonic spirit. Human spirits destroy churches, not the demonic spirit. The human spirit can adopt, and a demonic spirit can can attach itself to a human spirit. But the human spirit destroys churches far more than all the devils in hell. I wish you could trust me on this, but I know so many things swimming in my brain, so many churches, pastors that have talked to me. Now, pa- I don't even know what happened. I think it's gray hair and my age. The pastors are calling me and telling me what, what I do about this, what's happening about this, and what's going on. And, and, and as I talk to them, well, well, what preceded that? And they're telling me these stories and I'm, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what, what was it? And we've come to find out it was someone who wanted authority. Someone, a pastor told me yesterday that, that when he got to the church, the head the head trustee was at the foot of the steps of the church. And when he pulled up, the head trustee was at the, the steps of the church. And as he stood there, he knew there was trouble. And when he walked in, that the man had already had a few alliances and he was really angry at what was going on. Come to find out, it was nothing, but there was a, but, but, but there was conflict there. It was a human spirit. It wasn't the devil. the devil. The devil languishes when there's disunity and disjointedness in the church. He loves that. He, 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 it's, it's his lounge area. He, 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 this, this idea that we're fighting against principalities is true. This idea that there's powers and rulers, it's true. We fight against spiritual warfare. It's true. I taught you that last week. But I'm also telling you, there are human spirits that wish to divide and destroy. There are people all through my life, I've watched them, waiting for someone to make a mistake. And then rise it up and say, I knew they weren't good. I was just waiting for the other shoe to fall or for something to happen. That's right. The human spirit. The bully. The forceful person. The person who wants to demand authority, demand recognition. They have a need to be needed. Somebody look at me. Here I am. I'm, I'm standing up here to prevent that because I know what it does to the church and I know where we're going as a body of believers. And then number 11, it's division. Just plain old division. They use the scriptures. Use of the scripture to build their own following. It's division. It's not unity. Hear me, go back and listen to the wedge, W-E-D-G-E. I preached it long time ago, maybe about four or five years ago I preached the wedge. If you can find it, listen to the wedge. Anyone who separates you from me is a wolf. It's not in the divine order of God. Anybody who separates you from me, they are ravenous wolves, and there's not ever just gonna be one. As I've taught you, they're gonna come in packs. And they're going to be in the church. How is it that there were false brethren? What is, what does that mean? It seems like an oxymoron. False brethren. False brethren. They're brothers, but they're false. That means they were in the church, but they weren't true brethren. See, you don't have to say true brethren. If they're true, they're brethren. You only point out if they're false. Okay. Are we, are are we together? Because we've got to be in unity here. It's you and me. I only occupy this position, this position. For a brief period of time i won't be standing here forever there'll be someone else standing here i hope i can stay till october or or maybe a little longer i hope i can stay for a long time but if the lord tarries another pastor and god will put the pieces where he wants because he bought the church he loves the church if you only knew the history of where this church came from from 1965 all the way to 1999 you would know we have no right to exist but God said I want a church and I want it to be new life fellowship I want it to be this church I'm going to use it it's not the only church in town it's not the only church God can use but he saved this house he put his stamp of approval on his house and he loves the people of this town more than we love them more than we love them. And he will have a church. It's, it's either us or someone else, but he's going to have a church. So to use the scripture to build the following is also a spiritual thing, and that's a bully that happens inside of the church. Careful now, careful, careful, careful. There are bully pulpits everywhere. And finally, they often move from church to church after damage is done. And they'll tell you why they moved. God's just leading us somewhere. You know, I felt like the Lord wanted us to go here and help. There's a gentleman that he floats around quite a bit. I was with a pastor a couple days ago. I said, hey, you know this guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen him? Yeah, he came to our church for a while and he said, "I know where he went. He went to another church." He's, I, he said, "Have you been? He's been over to New Life. Yeah, we talked about. it. He's, yeah, he goes to place to place." This was an older minister. He told me about it. <laughs> he said, he, "The pastor told me." He said, "Well, he always thinks he's going to help people, and then when he figures out he doesn't, he's not needed, then he goes somewhere else and he blames God. He says God told me to move." He said a lot of times he causes trouble and then when the trouble gets going he don't want to be a part of the trouble. This, this pastor's retired. He said he don't want to be he said I've seen him many, for many many years. When he starts trouble after trouble gets going he starts a little fire somewhere he moves on. He so, said, boy that, that church has trouble. Goes to the next church I'm here to help you. And his help you know you don't need his kind of help. He starts a little trouble then when trouble gets going he goes to the next church. When he gets to the next church he says boy that last church I was at they got trouble. <laughs> And he blames God. Because he pushes his way inside. Listen, these people who float around and they come around new life every once in a while. They don't give tithes. I'm not their pastor. They can't identify a pastor. They don't serve anywhere. They just come in to soak up. Mm-hmm. And they don't have control of their human spirit. Let me, just, let, me just, let, me show, let me just shoot this one across the bow here for today. This ain't a hookup center. For you to come in and find some fine lady. That's called eharmony.com or farmersonly.com or golden50.com. I deal with that too. People come in here thinking, this is a good place to find somebody. No, it's not. It's a bad place because you'd have found me, sucker. I'm coming after you. You get your hands off my ladies. You get my hands off my men. You stop posting things. You stop telling people that you're that you're easy. I'm going to tell you that human spirit is divisive, because there is a spirit of adultery and a spirit of fornication, and it's a human spirit, and it gets in your spirit, and you got to be careful who they are. So I'm watching this from up here. I don't always have the gift of, of discernment. It doesn't always flow through me, but sometimes it does, and when it does, whoa. Many times when I walk by people and I put my hand on them, I feel things. I feel things in the Holy Ghost. In one 40-day fast, I was praying for the whole church. Several people, faces that I was praying for. I saw several people with dark clouds, dark clouds over their faces. And I began to intensely pray for them that the Lord would deliver them from the affliction that they were in. Here, pastor, tonight, we are a holy people. We're a set-apart people. I'm happy. If, if, if you find a spouse in the church as long as you're in the church and they're in the church and that you have something in common besides the church because just because you're both filled with the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're a good marriage it just means God blessed you with the Holy Ghost thank God I don't know if you're hearing anything I'm saying but I've just got to tell you right now don't blame God, hear me the human spirit can destroy anything that is purposed for the Holy Ghost. And all the people said amen. amen. I'm glad if our young people, I don't know what's wrong with these guys. There's beautiful young ladies in the church that love the Lord. I don't, know, I don't know what's wrong with these young ladies. There's handsome young men that love the Lord. It's a good place, but it's not a hookup center. And the human spirit is what is what draws us together And the Holy Ghost inside of you is what draws us together. You know that. Because your spirit is like a radio transmitter. You can say all the right things. You transmit what you feel. And science even would tell us. I don't know how sound it is. But you meet people 15 feet before you get to them. It's like a wave. A radio wave. You can kind of see it. And all of a sudden... You are repelled or you are attracted. You are pushed back. You're careful. You can feel it. I can feel the human spirit. Sometimes I feel a dark spirit, a different spirit. But I can feel human spirits. And if you've ever gone into places, establishments, you can feel demonic spirits. But sometimes you just feel torn, wounded, damaged human spirits. The human spirit has to be managed. And if you ever encounter someone who decides that they're going to bully the church, they'll always use God to do it. I rarely hear anyone say, "I'm just a mean person." "You know, I'm just angry that way." No, what's bothering you? You know, I just don't know. I just I think the Lord wants me to move. Well, no, what they really mean to say is I got a rotten spirit. I got a terrible attitude. I'm and 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 I'm probably going to have to leave because I can't get along with anybody. No one says that. Nobody says. that. It's all Jesus. Jesus told me. Jesus told me. Jesus didn't tell you nothing. I'm going to tell you what Jesus told you. Well, I'm not going to tell you right now because we're out of time. I'll tell you later when Jesus told you. All you have to do is open up your Bible. You'll find out what Jesus told you. If you really want to know what Jesus would do, you get in the word of God, Jesus will tell you. Now, when we get, see I've got to get here before we get to the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit, cuz when we get to the gifts of the spirit, we're praying that the gifts of the spirit would open up. But we want it to be the real Holy Spirit, not the human spirit working by design of entanglement for the expressed desire of self-elevation. I should have wrote that down. That was going. Leave that on the tape. (laughs) Amen. So the departure is always a God initiative. It's a God initiative. The bully always uses God initiatives. But we know it's not true. Amen. And everybody said amen. I don't know. I feel like it was working here. But I know that you received it, but I don't know why I felt like I was working.